0: You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio.
1: Hey guys, how are y'all? We're Dale and Gina Forehand. We're from Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all couldn't tell, could you? Y'all were like, where is she from? Right, yeah. Well, I'm originally from South Georgia, some, some people say South Georgia, so uh, I, I'm from the South, uh, but hopefully you'll be able to understand most of what we say. We're so thankful you're here today, so honored to be here, and let me just honor your staff and say that Dale and I have traveled for 22 years and we have met a whole lot of people. Sometimes we go to church and we never meet their staff. They send us back to a green room and call us when it's time for us to speak. Your staff has been so hands-on, so loving, so tender, so servant-hearted, and we just want to tell you, you are blessed to have the people that you have, and they did not even pay me to say that, But you can if you want to. It has been a joy, and I'm telling you, uh, uh, years ago, our pastor at our church would call us a faith family and i love that and when dale and i leave places like this where we've it's been so warm and loving and even sitting down there dale said man there's just such a gentle about this church. Well, let me tell you, so goes the head, so goes the church. Right. And if you have a loving, gentle, servant-hearted staff, the, 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 the rest of the, the faith family follows suit. And so, we, we, we have been blessed by being here. And so, we just wanna thank you for allowing us to come. Um, if you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to turn to Hebrews 619. Hebrews 6, 19, uh, the word is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It says it kind of cuts down between joints and marrow and kind of gets to the real motives of our hearts. And so today, Dell and I could come up here and share and never open the word of God. There are churches today where people give a whole lot of opinions. Again, I'm from the South, and my mama says opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one, and most of them have Lynn in them. <laughs> so, so, so you don't need people's opinions. You really don't. In, in the place that we're out today, the church needs the Word of God. Amen. And what we need to do is hear the Word of God and then live the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This, to me, I believe this year is a year of faith where we believe the Word of God and we obey it no matter how we feel about it, no matter what the circumstances around us are going on because we trust that God is going to give us a good result because he says in his Word, there's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God and Paul told us every one of them are yes and amen. Amen? That's right. If you don't amen me, I'll amen me. (laughs) So reality is this word, it's alive. It, this, is, this is your life. This is God's spoken word to you. And so we're, gonna, we're just gonna read one. Did you know you could take one scripture and be on it for weeks? As a matter of fact, the rabbis in the days of uh, in the Jewish culture would say one verse had multiplicity of deep spiritual uh, truths in, within it. So you don't even have to read a whole, a whole book of the Bible or a whole chapter. You just get one verse and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. See, that's why he's here. Jesus said, it's a good thing that I go away because the Spirit's going to come. and He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you things to come. He's going to remind you about Jesus and what he said. And he's going to empower you to live it out. And I think sometimes in our Christendom, we think we got to read the Word and now we've got to make it happen. And we got to pull our bootstraps up every day and work really, really hard. Instead of just partnering with Holy Spirit and saying, apart from you, I can't do it. So I need you, Holy Spirit, to empower me to do this. Amen? Amen. That's That's the beauty of the Christian life. So as Dale and I were planning and preparing for this weekend, and we knew they wanted us to share our story. I believe our story is a story that holds faith, hope, and love. And isn't that what it says in 1 Corinthians 13? And now abideth these three things. These these are the three things that always are there. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Listen, what, what sets us apart from as a believer of Jesus and those who don't believe in Jesus is faith, hope, and love. Like we don't respond to the world the same way that someone who doesn't know Jesus responds to the world. There's gotta be something different. I have a Bible study on Wednesday nights and and something had happened with one of the girls and everybody was like, well, if I were you, I would, and if I were you, and I I said, hang on a minute. How would a person who doesn't know, has no relationship with Jesus respond to what just happened to her? And they named the same things. I was like, whoa, 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 wait. (laughs) Well, if we know Jesus as Savior and Lord of our life, shouldn't we be responding totally different then how somebody who doesn't know Jesus would respond. See, see, that's when the Word becomes alive. That's when you taste and see that the Lord is good. That's when you eat on the Word and you feast on the Word and out of the overflow of all that you've put in, your mouth speaks, your life reflects what you put in it. Amen or oh me? That's right. Woo, somebody need to hear that today. See, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 that we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So your body is how you communicate with the world and the world communicates to you. Your spirit is how you communicate with God and God communicates to you. And right here in the middle is your soul. It's the way you think that, it, that attaches to how you feel that determines how you live. So if you don't like how you look, and then maybe you need to evaluate and eliminate what's coming into your life. Maybe you're letting more of the world in because if you let more of the world in, you're gonna think like the... Yeah, and you're gonna feel like the... And you're going to act like the word, Amen. So that's why it's so important that we're in the word of God. So that we know what he says. And we we believe it. It attaches and it determines how we live. So today we want to talk to y'all about hope. Because we believe that in the society and in the culture, in the world we're living in, there's a whole lot of hopelessness. As a matter of fact, when, when I was growing up, you never heard a lot about the words anxiety. You never really heard about depression. And maybe it was something that we just didn't talk about and we swept under the rug. But right now they're saying that, that uh, second to cancer, the number one killer in America, second, second to cancer, will be depression. Depress, away from being impressed, Did you know that in Deuteronomy, the scripture says, impress these things on your children. Impress the truths of God when they wake up and when they lie down and when they walk in the way. Impress it on their children. What would happen if we impressed our children and our own lives with the word of God? Would it relieve the depression? Just a thought. So we live in this hopeless place, and yet we as God's people ought to be the most hopeful people in the world, amen? That's right. But what's happened is we've taken the, words, the world's definition of the word hope and tried to apply it to the word. Instead of going to the word, studying what the word hope means in the Bible, what God says about hope, and then going applying that out to the world. See, See, the world's definition of hope is a wish. I sure hope I get a million dollars so I can pay my bills. I sure hope my boss gets fired because I don't really like him. <laughs> I sure hope my prodigal child comes, to know, comes back to Jesus. I sure hope we get a decent pastor in here. You already have some. The, 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 I, I sure hope that, you know, my sickness goes away. That's more like a wish, y'all. That is much more like a wish, and it usually comes with doubt. I hope I get a million dollars. Probably won't, but I sure hope I See, it's a wish. That is not God's definition of hope. God says hope is a confident expectancy that he'll do what he says he's going to do. Because, see, see if, if life were like a wish, if hope was like a wish, then, 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 and, but wish comes with doubt, then we'd be unstable in our soul. As a matter of fact, in James chapter 1, it says this, that when you ask for wisdom, pray and ask for wisdom, and God's going to lavish it upon you. But then he says this, but you have to ask in faith. You have to believe the Word of God, that when you ask, He gives you what you ask for. If you, if, if, but if you doubt, it says this, you're you're like a, a ship driven by the wind, you're just you're just tossed to and fro. You're, you're all over the place. Have you met somebody that's emotionally all over the place? because they don't they don't anchor themselves to faith, hope, and love. They don't have this hope, a confident expectancy that God will do what He says he's going to do. So I just want us to come to eye and remind you of this one scripture, Hebrews 619. It says this, but we have, you and me, the church, our faith family, we have this hope, God-like hope. It's firm and secure. It's not going anywhere. And it is an anchor for my soul. It's an anchor to my thoughts. It's an anchor to my feelings. It's an anchor to my will. Hope, a confident expectancy that God will do what he says he will do. So it doesn't really matter what's going on in your life. It's a, hey, when you come to know Jesus, we've, we fed people a bill of goods saying, you're going to come to Jesus and life is going to be rosy. That is not true. What, what is true is that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. That he is in control. That He, his word, uh, we can cling to his promises. I always say, get a promise for your pocket and put it in your pocket. And hang on to that when life gets hard. What it says is, life. Jesus said, uh, in this life you will have Trouble. trouble. So it's how we respond to the trouble because we have Jesus now. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us to live it out. So where are you living? Are you living in hopelessness? Are you being tossed by everything that comes your way? Or are you in uh, God-like hope, anchored, anchored to? I am confident. I have hope, a confident expectancy, that God will do what He promises, because it's who He is and he cannot deny himself. That's right. And I don't have to be yanked to and fro because I know who I believe in and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. This is God-like hope. And let me tell you why Dell and I are so passionate about people in the church today laying hold, attaining hope is because we found ourselves in the church lacking a whole lot of it and God restored hope into our life and into our marriage.
0: And that's why we're just so honored to share our story with you. You know, I believe that we get hope from hearing where God does something amazing in the life of somebody else. And so maybe today, maybe today you can grab a hold of a little more piece of your faith by us sharing what we've been through. Maybe you can have some of our faith would activate your faith and you would see God work. Because you recognize that God's not up in heaven, right? God's not up in heaven wringing his hands going, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do now. You recognize that he's still a miracle-working, life-changing, on the throne, sovereign God. Amen? And so he hasn't gone silent. He hasn't gone behind the curtain. The veil has been rent. You can boldly approach the throne of grace and there receive grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. That's a Southern way to say your time of need. (laughs) Like, Like, you understand this is the God we serve. And if you don't have this hope, this anchor for your soul, you will be tossed upon the winds of this world. And so our story is hopefully, hopefully, going to anchor you today in something that you walk in this room with because we all walked in this room with something. Now, what the big lie for Dell and Gina was back, in we met in 1984. Um, I remember Gina walking in the choir loft. She had big hair. It was in. It was in. Bigger the hair, closer to Jesus. I mean, that's what right. it was. And I remember just being smitten, you know, just a fly to a flame. And we dated and we get married. And, but something happens right through this journey of life. And inside the church, even inside the church, that we had this lie that if uh, you really knew me, you may not like me and you may not love me. And so people walk into churches and they wear the mask, right? They pretend that everything's, maybe not here in Lima, Ohio, but do you know over there in Birmingham, Alabama, people fight on the way to church? <laughs> At least Dale and Gina did. Like, we, 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 we would get up Sunday morning, right, and I'm clicking on the ESPN, I'm watching all the scores, and she's running crazy trying to get our two kids ready, and I'm like, come on, we're going to be late, come on. And she's like, if you'd help me, we wouldn't be, right? And then... Yeah, y'all know. And like we're in the car like, you know, and just when we get to the campus, get out of the car, we go from, and then everybody asks the same question, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you? And we all say what? Because we're all a bunch of what? Liars. Thank y'all, thank you. (laughs) Right? Like that's the truth. And, and so that was our story though, because really the honesty is that we felt like if you really knew us, you wouldn't love us. Deacon, soloist, uh, the great indictment against us was that we were religiously active, but we were not spiritually intimate. Right. So we could sing the songs, quote the verse, teach the Bible study and always give the answer. If we didn't know the answer, the answer is always Jesus. If I could tell you anything I hope happens today for you is that there will be a narrowing of your theology to your reality. I hope that what happens is what you say you believe, you begin to live what you believe. Come on, And this narrowing ha- happens for you today. The gap gets narrower. And so this is our, we've been married for eight and a half years and the marriage is breaking down. I'm talking about, I mean, it's crumbling. As we said, Friday night at date night, we had heated fellowship. And the fire is getting hotter. (laughs) And the arguing is getting louder. And we have a six-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. And it is not good behind the four walls of our home. But we are looking the part to the word, I mean, to the body of Christ. Deacon, soloist, religiously active not spiritually intimate. And I just said, Gina, I'm done. I'm done with this. I, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I, the marriage, I'm through with this marriage. And I take her by the arm and I put her on the bed. And my son is like walking down the hallway, Dad, what are you doing? Dad's got it, son. Just hang on. Dad's got it. And I begin to pack Gina's bags. And I put her clothes in her bags. And I said, When I get back, you better not be here. This marriage is over. And I grab our children and I put them in the car and I go play golf. And I leave Gina waving goodbye to her children in our driveway. I go play my round of golf and Gina, uh, she's come to the pool and gotten them from my mother. And I'm thinking, Mom, we're, we're calling Georgia. And she said, well, Gina came and got them. I said, well, this is what's wrong with this marriage. She doesn't do what I tell her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I call her on the phone. And I'm like, Gina, what are you, what, what are you doing? And, and she's like, um, You need to calm down, I'm gonna call a timeout, I'm gonna stay with my sister, and um, I'll call you in a few days. She calls me and she says, why don't you meet us at a park, and I'll let you play with, I'm like, let me play with my children? No, 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 no. this this is not the way this is gonna happen, and so just meet me at the park, and she pulls up in the minivan, the kids get out, and she stays in the van, and I go put put my kids on the slide, and I put Georgia on the swing, and I'm so just, I'm just so upset, I'm just like, I just push Georgia. She goes all the way over the top of it. (laughs) And then they get in the car and they, they leave and I'm just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not in charge. See, I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not driving the ship anymore. See, if COVID has shown us anything, we're not in charge of anything. Come on. And sometimes the Lord has to get us to a place where we go, Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. Not without you. So I called a lawyer and I said, hey, let me tell you what's going on. He said, you know what? If I were you, I would find a way to get your children back because, you know, they belong to you as much as they do to her. Now, let me tell you something. If you carry your question to Pharaoh, you will get a Pharaoh answer. Be careful, loved ones, where you go and seek counsel. And so I thought that was a good plan. And I found out that our kids were up at Vacation Bible School where Gina was serving, right? You got you got to pretend, you got to keep going on with the role that you have been playing. And so she's up there and she's cleaning up after Vacation Bible School. And so I go and I call my dad, said, Dad, I'm going to go get calling Georgia. I call my brother. I said, hey, will you meet me at the church? And so my dad takes his car and he parks it in the parking lot. And I send my brother through the back door of the gym and I pull up to the front door of the gymnasium and I pull up and Gina sees me pull up and she darts into the gym and our daughter's there on the lobby floor. And so I just walk in and I grab Georgia and I put her on my hip and I jump in my car and I drive it in the parking lot. I give her to my dad, said, dad, I'll be right back. I go back up to the gym and Gina doesn't know that I have sent my, my brother through the back door of the gym. And so he sneaks up behind her, grabs her, throws her on the ground, grabs my son, runs out of the front door of the church, gets in my car and I got my clothes, my car, my kids and I'm gone. Now when a deacon takes his kids from a Baptist church in Birmingham, Alabama, people talk about it. <laughs> and I'm gone. I've worked my way up through Huntsville and Tennessee, and the phone rings and the divorce papers have been filed. It's the only way she could get me come back to the state. And we walk in on a Monday morning. I remember it like it was yesterday. I got my box of dirt on Gina and she's got her box of dirt on Dale because whoever looks and smells the worst loses. My lawyer says, hey, Dale, uh, uh, if you leave that house, she's gonna say you're an unfit father. And her lawyer tells her the same thing and they go have a caucus about what we ought to do because if you carry your question to a Pharaoh, you will get a Pharaoh answer. And um, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? And her lawyer tells her the same thing and that we, we can't leave that house. So we move in the same house together and we live in the same house together together for 15 months pending a divorce trial. Anybody seen the movie War of the Roses? I'm in the master bedroom because I'm gonna be in charge as much as I can be. And you can sleep down the hallway with our son. We went to court seven times because we could not get along. The judge said finally, I'm so sick and tired of seeing y'all that if y'all, I'm gonna put a 6 p.m. curfew on your home." And everybody be in that, Everybody better be in that house by 6 o'clock or somebody's going to go to jail. Her lawyer says, wear a tape recorder and record every conversation. Aggravate him just enough, and if you can get him to hit you, I will win you everything. Deacon, soloist, religiously active, not spiritually intimate. We go into three days of trial. Friends of ours testify against her, testify against me. People take a side because sin is never neutral. It will always splatter on somebody else. Right. And so we we just tear each other into tiny pieces. Gavel hits the table. I walk out of the courtroom, throw up my hands. Dad, this thing's over. I'm so glad this thing's over. And little did I know it was just beginning. We moved back in the house together now after the whole time in court, waiting for the phone to ring because the judge has finally decided, can you imagine with me? After all that's done, 15 months of all that, 6 p.m., different bedrooms, two Christmas trees in 1996 because I'm not going to put my presents under your tree. God help us. And then three days of trial and then go back in the same house together. And we wait, and every time the phone would ring, our hearts would leap because you know that phone call that you get at two o'clock in the morning and it wakes you up, or that phone call you waiting to get the doctor's report, or the phone call about this, or that every time the phone would ring, our hearts would leap about what is the judge going to decide to do, and then a phone call happens, and the judge's clerk calls and said, Mr. Forehand, the judge has decided what he will do with the care and custody of Cole and Georgia Forehand. Please tell me, tell me what he decided. He's decided to grant you guys joint custody. And I went, joint custody? You mean I lived in that house with that woman for 15 months and gave that lawyer 15 grand for a tie? (laughs) The Lord's ways are not our ways. And I have to move out and she gets to stay in the home. Now we're passing the kids back and forth every other weekend. She got some time, I got some time, and then the judge decides also about what we get to decide on certain areas of the lifestyle of our children. Now, not only did I think he make a terrible decision about the joint custody, you, you know what, let me tell you what the judge decided to give, uh, give Gina. The judge decided to give Gina the right to determine sports for our children. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not a male chauvinist, but I do think that that should be a guy's, I think that should be a man's decision. Now, here's another crazy decision. You know what he gave me as a man? The right to determine health for our children. Right. Health? As a man, I think Band-Aids, Neosporin, and Advil fix everything. I ain't going to the doctor. I ain't taking my cheerings. Like, so she's got sports. I've got health. The whole thing's a hot mess. And so Gina calls me one day, and she's like, hey, Dale. Uh, Yeah, I know who this is. (laughs) She's like, look, I want to put Georgia in a mother-daughter's gymnastic class. Nope, not gonna do it. Because I know what you're doing. You're trying to manipulate the system to get to spend more time with her than I get to spend time with her. You're just playing the game. I'm not, and so I just block her, right? Like I just put my heels in and we just had this fight. People in my office are coming down the hallway saying, man, you're yelling. And I'm like, yes, I know. I'm upset, close the door. Like, you know, and this whole thing is a bad, just a hot mess. And so we're arguing, arguing, arguing. And then suddenly the conversation shifts and Gina begins to cry. And I'm thinking that she's just upset because I'm not giving her her way and she's just gonna quit and acquiesce and it'll be over and I've won again. And then she says, Dale, Dale, hang on, stop, 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 stop. This madness has to stop. I want you to come home and let's see if we can fix this thing. And I was like, hello? She said, really, I want you to come home and let's see if we can fix this thing. Now, let me tell you what's happening with Dale right here, right now. The theology and reality gap was beginning to narrow. All the Sunday school lessons I'd ever taught, all the mission trips I'd ever been on, all the sermons I'd ever heard, all the money I'd ever given, all, it, got, it got real simple for me right here at this moment. But I'm in this battle. I'm in this battle that many of you are in this battle today. I'm in this battle between my feelings that are very real and my faith that may not be very strong. But the good news of the Word of God is all I need is a mustard seed. And my feelings were like, uh, Gina, I'm so afraid. I'm afraid that we're going to hurt each other more. I'm afraid our kids are going to be a bigger mess than they are now. I'm afraid of what people, uh, Gina, I'm so afraid. And those were very real feelings. But my faith world was saying, uh, Dale, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And my love will cast out all your fear faith. Uh, my feelings, were, Gina, I don't understand how to reconcile. I don't understand why we are even having a civil conversation right now. I don't understand anything anymore. And those are very real feelings. Some of y'all are there today. My faith was saying, Dale, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your path. Faith. Uh, feelings, uh, Gina, what about your mom and dad? Your dad thinks I'm the devil reincarnated. What, what, what about those people who took my side and took your side? And now they think that we owe them because they took a side. What will people think in the gossip mill? Do they think they know what's going on? What about what, real feelings? Faith. Dale, the approval of man is a trap and a snare. If you care more about what man thinks than what my word tells you to do, you can't serve two masters. You better choose this day who you're going to serve. And right here, it got real, real simple. The theology gap to reality got real simple. And you know what happened? It came down to hope. The confident expectancy that God would do what he said he would do. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. On Christ, the solid rock, I'm going to stand. And I began to weep. And I remember saying to Gina, I can't even look at the feet of our children and it not remind me of you. Now I know what y'all are thinking. Man, Dale, you had your moment and that's all you said. <laughs> but this is a woman who thought I couldn't stand to look at her, much less remembered what her feet looked like. And hanging over my dresser in our bedroom is a picture of Gina holding the feet of our children because I never want to forget what my God did. Have you forgotten what God's done for you? Do you need to go back to a stone of remembrance on Ebenezer saying, this is what God did. This is what God can do. Well, I leave the office. Now my cowork- my coworkers think I've gone postal. I was screaming, now I'm crying, Bro- call the brother home. You know, like <laughs> I drive the house that we built together. I walk up the driveway, I mean, up the sidewalk, knock on the door. The friend of ours who testified against me in the court hearing, she opened up the door. She goes, hey, Gina, the devil's on the front porch. That's exactly what she said. It's exactly what she said. I said, hey, Paula, I didn't know I, I bet you didn't think I was coming by. I grabbed Gina by the hand. We walked down the stairs to the car, and I remember taking her by the face and going, baby, I don't know how to do this. All I got today, that this is the right thing to do. And I kissed her on the cheek and I got in the car and I drove away. Loved ones, sometimes all you got is to do the next right thing. That's called faith, hope, love. Well, we begin to secretly date because the gossip mill in that small town, so I had to go buy a bunch of black clothes <laughs> and a hoodie and sweats he Bought did. a black car. And uh, I'm serious, I parked down the street walked up the hill, jumped over my neighbor's back fence, went through the woods, came in the back gate of my own fence, walked in the back door of my own stinking house that I built just to see her because I was afraid of what people would think. Fear is a terrible liar. Yes. And we began to secretly date, and go to Christian counseling, and I say it like this, that God took a hammer of grace and a chisel of love and just knocked off the stuff that looked like him and not like us. Knock off the stuff that looked like us and not like him. And on December the 21st of 1997, we got remarried to the glory of God. Right? Amen. Because we serve a God who still does miracles. Because we anchored ourselves into hope. Look now, look. Take it. This... You know what this is? This is the audible voice of God. Spoken in the hearts of men. Pinned on paper that you might discover the freedom, the purpose, and the plans for your life. This is not a book of history, although there's history in it. This is not a book of exceptions, although there are things that happen. This is a book of examples that if you will take him at his word, he is true to his word, he is true to his his promises, and you can trust him. Yes. But you've got to have hope to anchor you and so we had this beautiful private little ceremony. just a few our parents and Cole, our son. He's going to walk his mom down the aisle. Black tuxedo, rhinestone preacher collar shirt, looking like all that. Walking down the aisle with Gina and And we got a picture of that wedding and my son is now my best man. And he's looking at his mama like this. (laughs) He is seeing a miracle. He is seeing the manifestation of a God who's really real. Right. And really does what he says he's gonna do. And so we had a private ceremony and then we went out to dinner at Chili's. (laughs) No ice sculptors. no three-tier cake, just, it was just us. And we get back home, we put the children to bed, and Cole comes down the hallway and says, hey, dad, can I talk to you for a second? Sure, buddy. He said, mom, dad, you said that what happened today was a miracle, and that only Jesus could put our family back together, and that's why we're back together. And I said, that's exactly right, son. He goes, well, Dad, can you help me with something? I said, sure. What is it, buddy? He goes, Dad, can you tell me how I can ask Jesus then to be my Savior? And on the day of our remarriage, we knelt at our bed, and our son received Christ. He's 30 years old, has given us our first grandchild named Walter. He's a worship leader at a church. For no eyes seen, no ears heard our mind is conceived, what God has in store for those who love him. See, we serve a God of hope, a God who takes what seems to be impossible and does the possible. And today in this room, you may be Adele and Gina of 2022. You you may may have walked in here going, man, our our marriage is hanging on by a thread and it seems hopeless, but I don't know what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. You get close to the father and you anchor into his word. Maybe you're here and you've got a prodigal child, or maybe you're here and you've got a job loss. You don't know how you're gonna pay your bills. Maybe you've been dealing with chronic sickness. Maybe maybe you've been dealing with all kinds of things. I've asked the Lord to give me a picture of what walked in the room today. In my prayer time this morning, Lord, let me see the room. Would you just let me see what walked in the house today? And I believe the Lord said, there are people who walked in here burdened. And to tell them, Dale, tell them, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you understand that the Father sees where you are? He knows exactly what you're facing. He's at the right hand of the Father going, Father, see them. I know what they dealt with because I walked among them. So send them some love. Send them some peace. Send them some grace. Send them some hope. Send them some healing. You understand that's the context of Scripture, and you've walked in this room today, and maybe you're the only one who knows it, and this couple from Birmingham, Alabama, just came by to tell you that there is hope, and his name is Jesus. But you got to anchor into him. My grandfather taught me how to fish, and I was going to tell you that what I felt like the Lord said, the the word for this house today was you need to release it. You need to take your hands off of it and you stop white knuckling yourself through it and you let the Father have it. And so my grandfather taught me how to fish and we we went fishing with cane poles for years, but then one day he opened up the trunk of his Impala car and he had a Zebco 33 rod and reel. Come on, man, where you at? He said, Dale, we're gonna go get some big fish today. We can't stay along the shore anymore. So take your thumb, put it on the black button, go to two o'clock, go to 12 o'clock, it's going to catch bigger fish. I went to two o'clock, went to 12 o'clock and I, and I looked at Papa and said, "Papa, this doesn't work." He said, "Yeah, Dale, it does work. But you will never get to deeper water as long as you hang on to that black button. And some of y'all have walked in here and you've been hanging on to stuff for way too long and you have made a muddy mess of the shore of your own soul and it's time for you to let it go and let God have it and anchor into him so you have an anchor for your soul, firm and secure. I have the confident expectancy that God will do what he promises because I'm anchored into him. So who today needs to take your finger off the button and let God have it? Would you all stand? I believe this is a word for you. You might be a Del and Gina in the house, but you might not be. You may have another issue, another challenge, another struggle. But here's the good news of the story of Dale and Gina and the glory and the hope of Jesus Christ, that no matter what you're facing, the same or different, my God is the same, amen? They're gonna sing. We're gonna open the altar. What do you need to release to the Father? I'm giving you a chance to come down here today and go, Father, here it is. Who's here needs to take their finger off a button? You're worried about your children. You're worried about your finances. You're worried about your marriage. You're worried, you are worried. You brought some stuff in this house. And I believe the Lord's saying today, would you release it and let me have it? Yes. And you anchor into me. Come on, who needs to do that today? Father, this is your time. Have your way with your people. By your spirit, move them. God, I know you wanna meet with them. I just speak release over you. Release, release, release. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. You come and let the Lord have it. Let the Lord have it. There's something that happens in the heavenlies when we humble ourselves, we get on our knees and we say, Father, here it is. So you come, you come. If you would like for Gina and I to pray with you, we'll be down front. But I'm giving you this chance to let go and let the Lord have it. So you come. God will meet with you here. Move Holy Spirit. Supernaturally move people out of their comfort zone. Yes. Because now they, first time maybe in a long time, have recognized they are desperate for you. Yes. So we pray against pride and we elevate humility. We ask for tenderness and compassion and grace and mercy to flow. Have your way with your people now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.